Are you struggling or feel lost in your thoughts with no way out? Then join us in taking control of your own mind before something or someone else will. I'm Jeremy, and with my wife and co-host Carrie, this is Surviving Your Mind. Lost wounds. What are they? They're emotional wounds that you put into a jar and you put on the shelf as a child. No, I'm just kidding. Um, So what they really are, they are feelings that were invalidated and we stored them. So what our bodies actually do and our cells, okay, yes, I'm getting scientific on you guys. So our bodies and our cells store these memories, okay? And when we stuffed them inside, which our minds were actually designed to do, so when we were small, we would put pain in a jar and we would ignore it basically, right? So um, Jeremy's going to actually go over some examples of what some of these emotional wounds could look like. Hey guys, I got two of them that stand out for my story. But before I get into that, I'll give you guys some examples and possibly it pertains to you or it doesn't. Uh, Rejection is uh, at the top of the list actually. Humiliation, criticism, physical and sexual trauma. Being treated unfairly and having your ideas, thoughts, needs, wants minimized. Lack of affection, validation, and emotional acknowledgement. Treating a child, or I'm sorry, teaching a child to break the law. Or parents or adults who party with their children. So for me, the two that really hit a home run still today with my emotions is abandonment and severe punishment. So the abandonment I talked a little bit last time in the codependency episode. My mom left when I was 15 years old. She got a new boyfriend, a new man. They ran off. My parents divorced. But during that time, they traveled a little bit. She tried introducing her new husband to us a couple times. And me and my brothers, we didn't want anything to do with it. So my mom disappeared. And for me, this is a perfect example of lost wounds. And like Carrie said, actually putting your emotions in a jar, that's exactly what I did. So when my mom left, immediately I felt abandoned, rejected, alone. She was my protector. She was the one that nurtured me. She was the one that protected me from my dad during the times that we would get hit. She would protect us and then she was gone. So who was going to protect me, right? I actually made a decision to say that I no longer had a mother anymore, but that's, that's false. That's, that's those beliefs that you're telling yourself because you feel abandoned. You feel humiliated. You feel rejected. You know what I mean? Do you think that was like the way that you dealt with it? Um, since you just, you know, where you were 15, Dealing with it, the easiest way that I could deal with it is to pretend that I no longer had a mom. Because at 15 years old, the relationship in our household between my brothers and my parents was already crumbling. So if I couldn't have a relationship with my own parents within my own home, how was I going to have a relationship with a mom who left me and ran off with another man? I wanted, I, I didn't want that relationship. Mm-hmm. That's when I really turned to alcohol. I, I think it was... Less than a year after my mom left was when I got my first DUI and I didn't even have my license. Alcohol and partying really picked up. That's when I started dabbling into drugs because drugs actually made me forget more than alcohol did. Mm -hmm. Alcohol seemed to bring out the pain and the anger and I would still remember things. But drugs, it didn't stick with me. Mm -hmm. I didn't like it. It was so painful. I mean, being in the fetal position, coming down from methamphetamines, just cringing and puking and calling into work. It was just, it was ridiculous. Yeah. You know? 
I I wonder why everybody always used alcohol when we were younger. All I did was cry. Like I'd be a freaking blubbering mess. I remember <laughs> at parties. Yeah. Oh, for real? Yeah, you would be that person. It I, was I like would right run right after nine eleven. I remember one time I was uh, puking out the side of a balcony, and someone was talking about which he, they didn't say it right, but they were like "fuck Saddam bin Laden," and they were like all drunk too, and I'm just literally puking like over everybody below me, just yeah. crying about. I don't remember. I think it was when my dad died. <laughs> yeah. I've so been sad. there, but see, I turned my, I, I didn't know, I didn't want to cry. Mm-hmm. And then I had the big bad brother that ruled our town mm-hmm. and he was always at the parties because he was the one that would bring me to the party, right? Yeah. Or I would meet him there. That's how I was invited to the party. So I didn't want to cry. I didn't want to be a little bitch. Mm-hmm. So I immediately switched that emotion of hurt, sad, alone. I, I just, it turned to anger. And that's why I would just fight at every party because somebody would talk about parents, somebody would make a mama joke, somebody would do something like that, and it would just set me off. Yeah. I I felt like I didn't have time to cry. Yeah, and we talked about that in our our marriage session last week. Mm Mm-hmm. Which takes you, the next one, severe punishment, Mm -hmm. along with that, like we talked before. We would get hit, um, not a normal spanking. There was vacuum cleaners used. There Mm. was wooden paddles, two by fours. There was all different sorts of things that was used that was not normal punishment. Mm -hmm. That became normal to me because with that punishment, if you could suffer through that punishment, at the end, at the end of those, there was like a light that went off in my dad and his eyes would water and he would tear up. He would give us ice packs. He would try to lay us down. He would try to make it right. Mm -hmm. So that was the compassion that we would get from my dad. So we would have to suffer through severe punishment in order for my dad to be like, shit, I crossed the line. Mm -hmm. So we ended up just turning our lives into chaos. On purpose. I mean, we would steal my dad's M80s and there'd be like dead frogs on the road. Oh my gosh. So we'd strap the M80s to the frog and we'd put it in somebody's mailbox and we'd wait for my dad to drive down in his cop car. And we'd blow it up and everything else. So we would get in trouble Mm -hmm. so we could get his attention. Yeah. It's actually, it's sad, but these things are real. Yeah, and people don't talk about it. Like mine, one of mine is criticism. That's all I lived in. It's like, it didn't matter, you know, whatever my thought was, it was criticized. Um, Especially if it wasn't her thought or their thought, you know? And so, yeah, that makes sense. For you on that criticism though, Mm -hmm. and I see you even have devaluation. Mm-hmm. For you, this has been carrying on from your childhood well into your adulthood. Right. And I thought it was normal. So until I just started with my therapist, I think at the end of September, which I fought from April until September with the VA to get into like an actual therapist. But um, I ended up finding my own, put my big girl pants on. (laughs) But um, I found out that during all of this treatment, I'm still learning that I was emotionally abused and neglected. So, like, the times that I would have, like, a complete meltdown and not have a freaking clue how I felt, all I was having was a meltdown. But I would get told to go to my room because they can't fucking deal with me because they can't deal with their emotions. But then I would be sent to my room and then I felt so fucking alone. Like, I would just be in my room alone, not having a fucking clue what I'm supposed to be feeling. And then the parent is pissed off at me, telling me it's my fault why they're mad. And so, which we'll, we'll get into that in a couple more topics down the line here today. But um, let's go into the consequences of unacknowledged emotions and 
what you start doing to yourself and the people around you. So before we get into consequences, I just want to say the difference between households and the way that families grow up raised differently. Like, mm-hmm. like you would be, so for you, you would be sent to your room or you would be isolated, mm-hmm. right? You would be alone and you didn't want to be alone. You felt so alone. You wanted to, you wanted to be with somebody. Right. And I wanted to, yeah. Right. My household was three big boys in one room and we didn't have an alone time in our house. Mm-hmm. So like you're begging for attention. I'm begging just please, for a second, I just want to be alone. Mm -hmm. But yet the two different households in the way that you're raised, look at where we are now. It's all the same consequences. Yeah. Whether you were alone or whether you weren't. Yeah. And it didn't matter. Like no matter what your childhood trauma is. So like me and Jeremy both grew up in um, a household where there was alcoholism, but his was more physical abuse. Mine was more emotional and, and verbal abuse. Still the exact same type of emotional unacknowledged consequences that we're dealing with as adults right and when we say consequences it's 50 50 i think in my opinion so there's an event that occurs okay which is your abuse or trauma Mm -hmm. right but us carrying forward if we never address those problems like you said we stuff those in a cookie jar and we hide it and lock it forever right well if we don't ever address those feelings, those traumas, those wounds, it turns us into having a negative self-image, lack of self-confidence, lack of self-esteem, codependency, guys, what we talked about on our last podcast, addictions, anxiety, depression, loss of your own self, feeling like you're broken and unfixable. Before we carry on, setting boundaries for yourself is a big one, and I'll give you some examples here in a little bit. Before those examples, addictions. Guys, for the ones that know us, you know I battled addiction for many years. I was an alcoholic. It basically almost put me six feet under. For me, guessing what is normal. That one's a huge one. Like I have like this weird, see, and I just, I just did it again. I'm supposed to be learning not to have a um, opinion (laughs) yet. I just did it. See, and I'm catching myself. Um, But we're not supposed to compare ourselves to anything because there's not a manual of what life is and how we're supposed to act or how we're supposed to be or what we're supposed to be or do. You know what I mean? So when we're comparing ourselves to everybody, it's like, but who said that? Like, who told you that this is how it's supposed to be? You know what I mean? Or, Or how you're supposed to act. Like, and so that was my hardest thing because all children are sponges. Okay. It doesn't matter. So you believe everything your parent says and does because they're older than us. Even though we act like we don't listen to them, we still suck in everything that they are saying. And it, it gets stored in our brain that we don't know. So that's the subconscious brain of ours. So these triggers. So when we're stuffing all of these things inside of these jars and not doing anything with them until they're adults. And then say, um, so for instance, when I wasn't doing very well, it was like, what, three or four months ago, the Lowe's guy pissed me off, okay? I am a pro member, I've been a pro member, and he would not return something. It was like 95 days, but pro members get 180 days, but it like frazzled me. And I just stood there. I was already started treatment, thank goodness, or I probably would have punched him, poor guy. (laughs) But he told me no, and it pissed me off. I was like, but I I couldn't gather myself enough to tell him, hey, I'm a pro member, and I should have up to 180 days. As soon as he told me no, that little fucking kid 
got angered. And I was like, inside of my body, I could feel me getting hot. But like I said, I was in treatment and I started getting these coping skills. And and so I maintained myself and I used one called riding the waves. And I stared at him for 15 seconds, blinking my little brown eyes (laughs) because I wanted to punch him. So I was like, you did not give me the right answer. And I left and I went and found a manager. And by the time I found a manager, I was calm enough to be like, hey, I'm a pro member. And they told me I couldn't return this. And I have my receipt. And they said, oh my gosh, Carrie, I'm so sorry. And they returned it and everything was fine. But they pissed off that little child of mine, you know? And that's something that that me and Jeremy and everybody have this in common. The anger that we feel as adults it is us being invalidated. And so the little child of us comes out and we're throwing these fits. And the the crazy thing is, crazy compared to what? That 90% of adults are doing this, but they're not talking about it. So the people in my DBT, one of them was literally a psychologist throwing fits. And they were a doctor, but they were in a DBT class getting help. Well, the whole thing, like being 50-50 in my opinion is one half of it is, yes, you were abused. Yes, you were traumatized, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody's denying that. Right. Okay. After that, I get you're a child. You don't really know what to do and stuff. But at some point, it becomes our responsibility. And I'm going to give you an amazing quote by Buddha here in a little bit. We can only fix ourselves. Right. Right. Nobody can, nobody can fix us. But the, the, the problem with this, and I even did this with my mom, I stuffed it away. But stuffing it away you lose the identity of your whole self because you're trying to hide from these emotions and trauma. That's why you get into addictions, anxiety, depression, all these things, and you just lose track of who you really are. Right. Oh, and uh, that brings me to the addiction thing. So like over the summer, like I was using THC almost every day, all day long, just to cope, just to keep my anxiety down. And people, you know, when they go home, they're like, oh, you know, I I have anxiety. I'm going to take my anxiety meds or whatever. I'm going to go home and have a glass of wine to wind down. You can tell yourself that all day long, but you are just masking your issue by taking an anxiety pill. And I was doing the same thing. And I didn't know that's what I was doing. And this is all because it's programming. So we literally grew up with all of these beliefs. So start asking ourselves, compared to what? So like if you have a negative thought about yourself, like, oh my God, I'm so weird. Why did I do that? But I'm weird compared to what? It really has helped me like on this journey. So. I, I love that. I know me too. It's been, it's been like the greatest thing. We've been using it all the time, all especially the time. with our daughter. Oh my gosh. She'll be like, oh my gosh, that's so cringy. I'm like, oh my gosh, cringy compared to what? Yes. Yeah, and she's like, <sighs> it really it stops makes the think. person in the tracks. Yep. Because it makes you think, guys, just try it. Like, yeah, like who, who has this book that is standing over us saying, like, this person has to look like this and you have to be this? And you know what I mean? Like, Nobody. So compared to what? Like, who has these beliefs? And society is not the correct answer. No. Nope. (laughs) But boundaries. Oh, yeah. That one. That was. I didn't even know how to give boundaries. Well, let me tell you. There's (laughs) there's actually different types of boundaries. Looked it up. There is. Boundary number one that you guys can set is a physical boundary. If you're having issues, including your body or any space that surrounds you, basically... Your personal space, that is a physical boundary. Psychological boundary, it pertains to information about yourself, your thoughts, beliefs, values. 
emotional boundaries. If your feelings and the ability, uh, if you're being manipulated, guilt tripped, anything like that, those are emotional boundaries. Spiritual boundaries, religion, higher power, spiritual life, whatever you believe in. Yeah, like, so mine was emotional boundaries is what I had a huge problem with. I, I didn't get it. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know how to do those. And I also didn't know how to, to put up any psychological boundaries either. So, like, I would get a text message. Literally, I would wake up and get a text message. And it would say, I cannot believe you did that. You are so disgusting. And I am blocking you guys. Both of you just make me sick. And I'm like, I just woke up. And I just went the fuck off. Like, I'm not even going to lie. But now, if somebody would text me something like that, I would just be like, cool. Like, okay, blocked. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't react because it's like, dang, I don't think that I feel that way about me. So I'm sorry you feel that way. Like, damn, you know, that sucks for you. Right. I think the only boundary that I have ever stuck to in my whole entire life is physical boundaries. But part of that is if you're physically abused growing up, right. you're sick of it. Right. So stay out of my fucking bubble. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> so physical is the only one. Okay. So how do emotional wounds go denied and, and what happens? So that's what we're talking about now. Like for, I'm, I had like a funny reference talking about Elsa and her powers of like, don't feel, let it go. So when we stuff everything inside, right, Elsa thought she was bad. If I use my powers, something bad is going to happen. And that's sad that I could even use a Disney movie, but that's how her family made her feel. So I thought it would be like a good, you know, thing. So even a Disney movie had her parents make her feel like if she couldn't control her powers and if she talked about her powers and did anything with her powers... She couldn't control it and she would hurt people, right? That's crazy. No, that is mind-blowing. I'm not even going to lie. So the parents should have accepted her right. and got her and help. And helped her to, to control her powers. Right. Totally get it. So I like, hope your light bulb went off because mine for did. For real, mine did too. So like Disney movie. I know. And literally, I just had the light bulb go off right now because I had the Elsa point written down. But now that I just started talking freely about it, it is like the light bulbs just started like... <laughs> but anyway, um, I love healing like this is like the most exciting part for me is when light bulbs go off but um so like for me you know not being able to control my emotions and that was been my biggest problem like reacting to everybody like even being in public and reacting to a bad look I would go down a rabbit hole oh my gosh do they know me like do they hate me what do they what are they thinking like and I would just go down this rabbit hole and I would I was like that and even Hawaii so even this summer, I was at that point. I would drive you nuts. I remember you were so annoyed at one point because you're like, nobody knows you, baby. Like, you're fi everything's fine. And I'm like, ah! you know, I was like freaking myself out for no reason. Okay, so like another part is denial and family systems. So this whole chapter has been like my jam. People talk about like the generational trauma and, and stuff, but you can't be upset with your parents they were instilled and programmed to not discuss problems, okay? So you don't discuss your problems because people at church, right? So generations ago, they lived in smaller towns. Everything was smaller back then. Everybody knew everybody's business. So you don't talk about your shit, okay? You just don't. You stuff it down. Well, now you have parents reacting to spilt milk. Do you guys know where that came from? I found that out during my research. The Great Depression. 
Spilt milk? Yes. So they would get so angry because they didn't have money back then during the Great Depression. So that's why the parents were getting pissed over spilt milk is because literally it was gold. Makes sense. So it was kind of appropriate during that time. Right. Because they were trying to get it through their kid's head, but... Their kids carried it. Carried it and made it worse because they took their own traumas and instead of growing and learning to not be like your parents, they took their issues, dimmed them with their own traumas, and boom, you have a bigger fucking issue with the next generation. Right. That that was a good example that you said, because I, I think that still goes on today. Shame is rooted deep with child wounds, with family wounds, um, with military wounds. I mean, shame runs deep, and it's uh, it's hard to get through that, but... I feel that you've been doing really good in treatment and I feel like it's getting easier for you. What do you, what do you think? Shame and guilt has always like been a part of me in my story. So I was super proud that my dad was a cop and he saved somebody's life that wrecked in a Creek and the car was upside down and he dove into the water and pulled somebody out. He made the newspapers. I still have the clippings and stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. but on the flip side of that, I didn't like anything else about my house, my home. We acted like we were poor. And then outside of the home, I got bullied to the point I ended up getting jumped. My brother was supposed to pick me up, but he was off doing other things, never showed up. And I got jumped and left bloody outside of my school. And that was the turning point in my life in sixth grade when I was like 12 years old on if I was going to continue making straight A's and be bullied Mm -hmm. or if I was going to start sticking up for myself, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So I went and got into fights. I struggled with that. I felt bad. I didn't like fighting. You know what I mean? Hearing about it and the pain Mm -hmm. or the stuff that happened to them, like I felt horrible, right? Mm -hmm. So my older brother started bringing me to parties and introduced me to alcohol and stuff at like 12, 12, 13 years old Mm -hmm. and said it would be a lot easier to fight people when you're drunk. And it it worked. But then guess what? You got to wake up the next day. Guys, I've been I've been doing this since I was 12 or 13 years old up until what 2018? 2018. I have beat people up. I've taken cars. I've walked up to people and made fun of their nose. Who does that? Somebody who has had a lot of childhood trauma. I would humiliate people and the shame, the guilt that goes with that. And then my mom leaving and I completely alienated my mom. Of course, I was a child and a teenager. If I knew now what I knew then, then I would have gave her a chance. I wouldn't have pushed her away. I would have let her talk and hear her side of the story. Mm -hmm. But I pretended that I didn't have a mom for almost 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I feel guilty because now I have a relationship with my mom. But before the relationship got better and I gave her a chance because she called... Numerous times trying to be my mom. Yeah. But I cut it off and I was like, no, you're not my mom. I'll give you a chance at being my friend. But she suffered through so much verbal abuse by me for years. I would call her names. I would yell at her. I would threaten her. I would do this in front of people, in front of family. I was so hurt and torn by it. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. I've apologized a bunch over that. And then leading into that, going into my alcohol, mm-hmm. all the chaos that I caused, over $65,000 in damages to your house. I almost broke up the family. 
I carry a lot of, I almost tried to kill myself twice. I have kids. I have a family. I have people that love me. But a part of this codependency and a part of hiding your wounds and not addressing them, it turns into self-alienation. You want to, you want to like isolate. You, you feel abandoned, wounded, left out, right? You don't feel good enough. Nope. You don't love yourself completely. Right. And you detach. You detach from people. And what's crazy about this is, and you guys may have felt this too. Have you ever been around somebody, a group of people, even your family or people that you love, right? Mm -hmm. But yet a trigger sets you off and you feel more alone than ever. But yet you're sitting in a room full of people that love you and care about you. But you feel so alone. Yes, I dealt with that all summer. It's sad. I mean, honestly, it truly separates you from being able to love yourself. Right. And you can't love anybody else if you can't love yourself. Yeah. you. I mean, you literally think that there's something wrong with you, which we're getting to that very soon. (laughs) Which we kind of went over, like, actually, you did go over all of that. Good job. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the shame and the pain. Like, I'm not good enough. I will never be able to have a healthy relationship. Um, I'm not good enough for that job. I'm only smart and beautiful, uh, or only smart and beautiful people can achieve nice things, or my pain isn't as important as the next person, which I hear this one a lot, especially in our mental health group, and especially from the same generation that our parents came from. I don't want to talk about my traumas because Jeremy went through so much in the military, and it's just silly of me. Nah, mama, you talk about your feelings. Like, mm-hmm. I want to hear what the hell happened to you, and let's talk about it. Let's sit. Like, mm-hmm. and and that makes me so sad. Like, sometimes I just want to send my mom a text and just be like, I'm really sorry for your childhood. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. but I'm not. Well, when you, set, <laughs> when, when you set up these boundaries as you're learning to acknowledge these lost wounds and everything, mm-hmm. and you're processing and you're healing, and you set up boundaries... I'm going to tell you guys right now, if somebody is offended by your boundary that you set up for yourself, then that is a they problem. Mm-hmm. Who gives a shit if somebody is offended right. by your boundary? That's the whole point of boundaries. That means that the boundary is not going to benefit them anymore. So, and you're going to piss people off making boundaries. I mean, I lost my whole family. And then once it turned just from not talking to my own mom, it turned from her being so angry And instead of trying to figure out how to fix the issue, she's never healed from her own stuff. So she reached out to everybody and alienated me. And it was really hurtful at first until I went through all of this treatment. And then I realized, I'm like, holy shit, like I literally was programmed to chase adults. And I mean, I used to like send all of my uncles like happy birthday text messages and stuff. But nobody ever sends me those, you know? And I reached out to one of my uncles recently, and it ended up being just a whole chaos of fucking turmoil, which I haven't talked about because anytime I talk about anything, somebody's trying to get one of my social media accounts removed. So I reached out to my uncle, and I know for a fact he had to have talked to either my mom or my sister because the same day our Instagram got taken down. Mm. And it's just very... Very sad that we're just out here in our own lane trying to take care of our own things (laughs) and you have people still trying to attack you. But any hootie. Right. Um, I could not set boundaries. So that was one thing that I had to work with my therapist because I didn't know how to calmly just be like, hey, 
I don't allow people to talk to me like that. And it really sucks if you let people talk to you that way. So when you can talk to me normal, you know, go ahead and reach out to me. I didn't know how to do that. Mine was, you stupid bitch. I fucking hate you too. You know, like (laughs) I would just react to your reactions and that's how I would deal with it. But then for years and just until light bulbs started clicking, I was always told that I was the bitch and I'm the mean one and I was the problem, but I was the youngest one. Mm -hmm. I was created and I was very reactive to their abuse. And now that I am healing, I am not scared to talk about it at all. And that gets into the next part. When we are afraid to talk about the things that have happened to us, we are going to continue to have the same triggers over and over and over again. So say say something happens to you and you are the only person in the entire world that knows about it. Unless you are writing about it, journaling about it, praying about it, whatever the case may be, getting it out where it is validating some way, somehow, you're never going to heal from that trauma and you're going to keep having the same triggers over and over and over again. And I didn't get that. So I was like, well, how how am I going to get over all of the stuff that's happened over the last two years if I can't talk about it? But healing has gotten me to the point that I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm literally just talking about my own feelings. And if I want to talk about somebody calling me a bitch and that ended up being hurtful then why can't I talk about it? You know, like that's how codependent I was reaching out for everybody else validation, but I don't need that anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, to me, and this is just my thinking in my brain, Mm -hmm. if somebody's offended by your story of what happened to you in your life and they were a part of that story, they mad because they guilty. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. what what else is there? People know exactly what they're doing to you. And I don't have to justify you or explain to you because you know exactly what you're doing. Everybody knows exactly what they're doing. Um, but there are so many more. Do you ever hear yourself saying, I must keep people happy at all costs. So you have to keep the house happy walking on eggshells. Um, telling yourself, It's too selfish to take care of myself. So you question, you know, even going getting yourself a new stick of deodorant. And a light bulb went off for me during this episode with Lisa too. She was talking about how she won't get her new deodorant or she used to not get her new deodorant until it was literally scraping her armpits. Mm -hmm. And guess who's gotten has gotten to that point like I was at that point this summer that I was scraping my own armpits because I felt like I couldn't go get myself deodorant because I was selfish and that's sad that I allowed my trauma to get me into that dark hole and that's why we want to do this podcast is because Mm -hmm. we're trying to teach you guys to get out of that mindset right and like she said she's to the point she's past me I'm the one that's still scraping my armpits right now. (laughs) You're doing so much better, though. But I'm getting there. And that just goes to show you, we're an amazing power couple. We work together. We're funny. We're smart. All this stuff, right? But we, we all have our own trauma. And everybody heals. Guys, treatment and healing isn't a race. It doesn't matter who finishes first. There is no trophy, okay? It's just a peace of mind and a better life for yourself. Exactly. So don't worry that if somebody else that you might be going through treatment with or something is a couple steps ahead of you. That doesn't mean you're not going to get there. That just means you may not understand it. 
Yeah, read it again. Quite yet. Or maybe your trauma was a little different than theirs, so it was a little bit easier for them to move past this. So do not get discouraged, guys. And when we deny what we feel, you ready for this? We cannot heal. I love that. If we deny what we feel, we cannot heal. Guys, shame and denial are destructive. And one of the first things our mind wants to do is basically deny the way that we feel, right? Mm-hmm. because we don't want to dig in to the root of the problem or dig into our childhood. We want to lock it in that jar and push it away. Right. Which when, you know, when a lot of people get into like all of this trauma work and stuff, it makes sense to me why people don't talk about it. Cause it's like, okay, you hear your car making a noise. So what do you do? You go and investigate the noise. So if you go to look under your hood and freaking some monster comes jumping out at you, you're not going to want to go check under your hood, right? Mm -hmm. So in your mind, people start storytelling, which we will eventually elaborate on storytelling. But we start storytelling ourselves like, oh my gosh, if I do this trauma work, I'm going to remember everything and it's just going to be awful. But it's so rewarding and peaceful because once you start validating yourself, all of these light bulbs start going off and then you actually start healing because... Once you're like, yes, I was assaulted, and yes, it sucked, and you talk about it out loud, like, even if you want to record, you know, yourself talking to yourself, like, you don't have to, like, you know, go make a podcast about it, or go, you know, post on Facebook or whatever, but this was actually one of um, Lisa's homework one week, is you're supposed to, when you have light bulbs go off, or when you have something like that you want to talk about or you need to talk about, go post it. So you're going to be validating that inner child. And now that I can do it tactfully without feeling like I'm attacking anyone, because I had to go through like a part of my healing before, because when you go through healing, you do have a time where you get angry. And if you ever, because a lot of people don't, get that angry part. So like me and Jeremy were very open. Like that's what our emotion usually was, was anger. And that's a secondary emotion. So one thing about shame and isolation, those who are carrying guilt and shame can be some of the most put together people. Okay. A lot of times people will be like, man, they, they really have their shit together. In actuality, they're the ones that when that shame button actually goes off, It's like an out-of-body experience. So it's either negative self-talk, the inner child is screaming and anger comes out, or it's like an isolation and depression comes. So those are the, like, some of the the three symptoms that I found for shame and isolation. So kind of watch for those and, I don't know, just see if any of those seem like something that you're doing and be mindful of it. So when we struggle with codependency, we often feel insane, which we could be normal, right? One thing that you can remember about shame is that it's an emotional experience and it's not you. So you guys can heal from this. Absolutely, you can heal from this. Try to think of your feelings as yourself. When you're a child, what you feel, you associate with yourself, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So that means if you felt bad, you assumed that you were bad, right? Correct, yeah. Children are subjective to thinkers and not objective thinkers. When a child's pushed away and feels unworthy, the child presumes that they are unworthy. Right, yeah. So everything we feel as a child 
we are locking it as we are that. Right. Yeah. If you were a child and abused in any way, physical, sexually, emotionally, verbally, the child assumes that they are the reason an adult, who they also presume is smarter, wiser, kinder than they are, is why they were abused. I know. That's that's why we get just stuck in that, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's our programming. Right. That goes back to the consequences. Yep. Of not addressing your wounds. But don't worry, you guys. So in time, you're going to begin to understand that all people are born asleep. And that includes adults in our lives that we trusted as we were children. So as I mean that they are born asleep is even now, you might have an 80-year-old woman or 80-year-old man or whatever. They still might be walking around asleep. They don't want to get the help. They don't feel that they are worthy enough to go get the help. So they just keep doing the same thing over and over again. And I just used 80 as a number. But usually it's like, uh, I think Lisa Romano, she even said that she has people in their 60s that are coming to her for trauma work Mm -hmm. and to deal with this stuff because they finally are tired of their own shit. (laughs) Right. It's never too late to help yourself. No, absolutely not. Right. And like I told you, I got that quote from Buddha. Are y'all ready for this? After this quote, we're going to get into our journaling and we will wrap it up. This is absolutely an amazing quote. No one saves us but ourselves. No one can and no one will. We must always walk the path. I'll repeat that one more time. No one saves us but ourselves. No one can and no one will. We must always walk the path. Yep. Absolutely brilliant, Buddha. Thank you. (laughs) There's a lot of um, his verbiage and stuff that I like using because living in the now is like his total thing. So so we're going to go into our journaling props. Um, The ones that I picked was as a child, I remember feeling that my feelings were not good enough to be heard. They were wrong, stupid, or I was selfish for having them. As a child, one of mine, as a child, one of the things I remember feeling confused about was who I actually was. So I would act a certain way and I would get in trouble by my parents. So apparently that wasn't good, right? Mm -hmm. And then I would dress this way. um, I'd get made fun of or I'd get bullied. I was just constantly going through an identity crisis, which I know that's normal part of growing up and, and, you know, being teens and kids, you change. But even going into an adult up until, I don't know, recently, really, Mm -hmm. I had no idea who I was. I was an alcoholic. I was retired military. I was a wounded combat vet. I hated everybody. I wanted a friend. Like, I don't know what the fuck I want. Right. Yeah, you, did, you had no idea what your yeah, self Yeah, was. Just, just chaos. Ever since I was a kid, I never knew who I really was. But that that makes sense to one of your diagnoses that we'll go into eventually. So, I mean, mm-hmm. and it makes sense why you didn't. But also, the whole childhood trauma makes us feel because that was literally one phrase that I think will never be deleted from my mind from my mom is like, wish you knew who you were. Now, mm-hmm. as a healed carry, I want to be like, oh, I wish you knew who you were so you could have taught me who I was. Mm-hmm. Because that's our only jobs as parents, guys, <laughs> to teach our kids how to self-regulate, self-love, and go be these amazing humans and better than us, you know? Right. The better way to put mine, mm-hmm. I just thought of it when you were talking, sorry. That's okay. Um, is I felt like I wasn't get getting the attention, the love, the affection at home completely. Mm -hmm. 
So I was trying to find any and every group possible, druggies, skaters, preppies, sports, anything. I was trying to find somebody that would accept me. Yeah. Love me. So you floated around a lot. So right. did I. I hung out with every group because I didn't I didn't know. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like if I hung out with the guys and I was a slut that week. So I was mm-hmm. like, well, I don't want to be a slut this week. So let's go hang out with this group. You know, <laughs> so I'm like, fuck it. I'll be a stoner this week. Okay. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> um, do you have another question? Um, I got one more. Okay. Uh, emotions I would like to release from my childhood include anger. I was so angry at my whole entire life growing up that it just bled into my adulthood and I just hated everything and anybody. Um, I'm not completely gone with my anger, but I think I am. You have made fucking mounds, <laughs> mounds of progress over the last two months. Like... Yeah. Like I was every day. I was punching holes in something or breaking something. Like I was well, not angry. recently. You haven't been like that. I know, since you were like drinking. a few years ago. Oh yeah, a few years ago you were. Yeah, but no, like we, you would have at least one anger outburst a week. Like we, we've gotten yours mm-hmm. down to probably like once a week, but we haven't had any in like two months, and that's mounds, guys. Like for for somebody like Jeremy to go through everything he has been through, and then still, you know what I mean? Like I, I divorced somebody. Okay, that has PTSD. They're two different people, like two completely different people. So for him to be the way he is right now from where he was when I first got into his life in 2018 again, I cannot even, like, I want to cry right now. Like, (laughs) holy shit. Guys, it takes so much hard work, work, commitment, dedication, but you're not alone. And if you stick with it, I promise you it's worth it on the other side. Just like Buddha said, and just like your ex-husband. We have the same diagnosis, right? Mm-hmm. But we're two different people. Absolutely. The reason why is because I want to be better. I right. want you to be different. Are I've awoken. been fighting. Yeah, you have to be better. And then you have the other half that, don't that want to doesn't want to do anything. Right. So there's the difference. Just like Buddha said, no one is going to save ourselves except ourselves. Yep. And for me, it was me being tired of my shit. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, The last question for myself is learning to validate the questions of my inner child is helping me to stay calm and be more of the observer instead of the reactor. And that Mm. has been huge for me because I reacted to literally everything and everyone until a couple months ago. Yeah. So I'm still not there yet. I'm proud of you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. But, I mean, that goes to show, like, both of us are literally doing the same 12-week program, the same life coach, doing the same stuff. Hell, we have the same therapist. But, yeah, and the same therapist, but we we are on... People move along at different, different paces. Different paces, mm-hmm. but, I mean, you're doing great, yep. and I'm proud of you. You're like the cheetah, and I'm the slug. That's okay, because... You will eventually get there, okay? Absolutely. Just keep the eye on the ball, you know? And you guys are going to get there as well. I know it. I believe it. Thank you guys for joining in again and talking about emotional wounds and... Everything else that goes along with all of that horrible baggage that we were carrying along. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Couldn't phrase it any better than that. Thank you. <laughs> you are so all right, guys. Welcome. You have a good night. Thanks, guys. All right, we'll bye. see you next week. Remember, life doesn't have a handbook. When you're made to feel you're living your life wrong, how do we not know they're living their life wrong? We don't. Stop being critical of yourself and just be you.